Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dead Rock Stars with Mick Wall and Joel McIver. Well, welcome to another episode of Dead Rock Stars. I can't remember what we usually say. Well, we normally say, welcome everyone to another wonderful episode. There you go. There you go. You can't beat a professional. (laughs) And this uh, week's episode is about... The Mighty Sid Barrett. Yes. Now, no longer I don't know how mighty he was. Wow, that's a great point. Yeah. The Mighty Sid Barrett. Well, let's fucking get right into this. The Flighty Sid Barrett. So, what was the band of which he was most famously a member? Was it Pink Floyd? It was Pink Floyd. Yes. Uh, you had your early psychedelic Pink Floyd, a la Sid Barrett, and you had your much later more considered stuff. I was reading a very interesting document that you wrote where you wrote about Sid, and you said that Floyd's music gained a much more adult sort of timbre, a kind of like statesman-like pace after his departure, after the years in which he was a member of the band. Now, I put it to you that there are those who regard the early psychedelic Sid era of Pink Floyd as greater than the later Gilmore stuff. So I think this is a fact, right? You get these two factions. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There are many people like me who like both. Yeah. No problem with both. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of cred, in terms of music critic cred, in terms of received wisdom, which we know alters over the years (laughs) in the same way that when... Pink Floyd released The Wall, end of 79, beginning of 1980. Yeah. I think the enemy, I think the headline was total piece of fucking shit. I think think that was it. Something like that. To that effect. Yeah. And of course, then cut to, you know, several millennia later and Roger (laughs) Waters is touring it around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the biggest, best, greatest thing that's happened on stage. I know. But the point remains, Pink Floyd... After a certain point, yeah. specifically after a Nick Kent review in the NME where he talked about their dandruff and how uh, appallingly badly dressed they were and how tedious the whole thing was, mm. their credibility in this country, in Britain, was shot. In America, it was just beginning because they, they hadn't got Sid at all. Hey, buddy, what's um, this Floyd stuff? But subsequently, you know, the Sid Barrett era... Has been rehabbed. No, no, the Sid Barrett era was always cool. Always cool. All right. And, and has remained so. Right. Now, before we get into this too deeply, the big picture here is that Sid Barrett, Roger Barrett by birth, was one of the great enigmas, right? He was an enigma. So much of his life, we don't really know what happened. We don't really think much happened. He had this kind of mad burst of creativity, 
and then essentially went into seclusion for the mm. rest of his life. Now, mm. I can't think of anyone else who's done that. You may have a, an example in your mind of someone who who was right there at the beginning of some insanely successful rock phenomenon and then just fucked off. I can't think of anyone. Like not off the top of my head. Not like that, no. I mean, no. He, he, on paper, yeah. he had it all. You know, he was a very beautiful-looking young man. Mm-hmm. He, he really was, actually, with the coal eyeliner. Yeah. I'm just going to fantasize. But, and and as time went on, that wasn't beautiful. eyeliner. That was true black circles, you know. Um, <laughs> he was part of London at a time when it was exciting to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And he embodied a particular kind of English eccentricity, mm-hmm. pixie, old fairy, Chaucer-esque, mm. mystical element that could take what sounded like nursery rhymes. Yeah and turn them into consciousness-expanding journeys. Uh, most of his songs are very short, but, you know, their ambition and their scope and the, the, the worlds they introduced you to were vast. Do you prefer the Sid era? No, I like them both, yeah. just the same. They're so different though, aren't they? Well, they were a very different band. Yeah. I mean, Sid yeah. Barrett was the Pink Floyd. Yeah. They were his songs. He was the Brian Jones, essentially. More than that, mm. more than that, mm. you know, because Brian wasn't the singer or the front man, you know. Sid was the singer, the yeah. front man, the yeah. guitarist. Yeah. He was everything. I think Roger and Rick, the keyboardist, may have got a, a, mm. a co-write somewhere on the first album. Mm. Rick could do a very passable impersonation of Sid's vocals, so he mm. also sings on that first album. But those songs are extraordinary. The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, you know. This went beyond, you know, pop psychedelia like the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper. This went beyond, you know, Arthur Brown singing about fire or... You know, this happened to come along that year, but it could have come along any year and it would have always been extraordinary and actually quite out of time. Mm, There's mm, something actually mm. very kind of ancient about this so-called futuristic music. Mate, I love what you're saying. I, I just want to capture it a little bit in context. I, uh, as you may know, I used to work on Record Collector magazine. Right. That's a funny... Was that you know, where you first met Glenn Hughes? That came later. Oh. And I'll, I'll be well, writing about well, that in can't my, wait to hear in about my that. forthcoming autobiography, yeah. How I Met Glennis. <laughs> Me and Glenn. Forward by Coverdale. I worked on Record Collector for some years, and uh, it's this geeky mag, right? But it's very well respected because yeah, what it does, mag, what it yeah. does is it, it does very, very well. Yeah. And uh, we used to run every month for years, man, I mean years, an A to Z of British Psychedelia, which was like a four-page thing. And the writer, whose name I think was David Wells, I'm sorry if I've got that wrong, was the, this global expert on the stuff. I remember, you know... Um, Mark Lamar, you know, phoning up and saying, someone got David Wells' address, I need to speak to him back. Oh, because he used to do that alternative 60s show on the Radio 2? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and I think he had a love for that kind of stuff. But the point is, is if you wanted to know about British psychedelia, you you went to this particular column in Record Collector magazine. I was working on the Mac for some years while this was happening. So you worked for Record Collector? I was on the stuff. Right. The psych uh, series was subsequently anthologised in a book, which, which sold very well. So... Well, it would do, coming from Record Collector. Right. So I had not grown up listening to Psychedelia. It was some, some years before my birth, and my parents weren't into it. May I quickly ask, had you tripped on acid? No, I had not done that. That came later. Ah, but when you met I, Glenn. I, 
some years before I met Glenneth. Oh. Forward by David Oh, Carter. you have led an interesting I, uh, life. I, so I absorbed all this psych, and um, it went from the biggest bands to the smallest ones. So it included the Beatles, you know, when they went through their phase. Included, you know, their Satanic Majesty's Request, and, and certain bands that dipped into it. Floyd and Floyd and Floyd were mentioned all the time. You know, Sid Barrett was the god of this thing. And it was demonstrated very clearly to me how 1960s psychedelia went to 1970s prog. And I loved that transition and learned about yeah. it and I appreciate it to this day. And I'll, for me, I would rather listen to a 1970s Floyd album than a 60s one. It's just my take, you know, the production. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. As long it's, as it's, it's not str- uh, the final cut. The final cut. Yeah. One of the things that bugged me about the psych was that there was, it, it was so twee. It was Cups of Tea and Winnie the Pooh, you know, and that kind of annoyed me and still does. That's why I can't really yeah, you're get a metal into guy. You're a metal No, no, but I'm not, man. No, I'm a fan of all sorts of stuff, believe not me. Really. I'll sit down and listen to ELP all day, you know what I mean? Or, or Prince. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, I listen to every kind of stuff, heavy and metal. <laughs> I listen to ELP and Metallica. All sorts of good stuff. ELP is rubbish. Uh, and I uh, particularly. Um, Never like I, I could never quite get to grips with Piper at the Gates of Dawn. I mean, I've heard it. I've but got, this was I've, before I've, you'd taken acid. Long time before that. And I, I tried my best. Now, I suspect you have a slightly different take on this. Yes. You regard it as a greater work, I suspect. No, I not at all. No, I've always said that when I'm at my funeral, I've changed my mind in recent years. About For dying. a long time, I said... Uh, You're not going to die? No, I'm definitely going to die. You know, Dark Side of the Moon for me, was always my favourite record. Not because I think it's the best, or this, or that, or he's mm. my favourite mm. guitarist. Yeah, yeah. None of that. Yeah. It just, to me, is the perfect record. Yeah. It is absolutely... It's flawless. From start to... It's flawless. Would you it, prefer it to Back in Black? Ah, oh, by a million miles. Even that wonky bit where the tape goes funny at the end of Great Gig in the Sky, mm. which originally came at the end of Side One, Google side one, kids, see what that means. And um, <laughs> But you can't compare that to the Piper at the Gates of Dawn because these are two completely different offerings. Yeah, right. And the thing with Sid Barrett is that you're right, there is a lot of uh, what you might call twee Englishness mm, about it. But mm, if you yeah. actually, on a serious note, do yeah. look at traditional English writings, you know, if you're fond of Middle English... Chaucer, Shakespeare, myths, legends. Sid really comes in that tradition. Mm. And the fact that he even was able to somehow be shoehorned into a pop group Mm. is extraordinary to me. Mm. Mm. You know, a song like See Emily Play. Mm. You know, David Bowie did a fantastic version of that on the Pinups album. Mm. But it still couldn't quite capture the kind of extravagant whimsy we call it psychedelic now but at the time he wasn't making psychedelic no. music he was just making the music that came naturally to mm, him mm, mm, arnold lane mm. you know about a man stealing washing off a clothesline so much has been made of that because in those days that did seem quite daring oh it was a uh, transvestite who was doing so. oh that's, that's the story, right, it, right? right it's the daring thing and it got banned by radio one i don't think that crossed sid's mind at all mm. i don't think that was anything to do with anything tracks like scarecrow and Mm. bike Mm. yeah bike is nuts i love that song Mm. i love it Mm. but he's not doing it because he wants to be nuts or because he wants to be psychedelic this is like lewis carroll right 
That's a really good analogy. You know, th- th- yeah. this is Alice through the looking glass yeah. or whatever it might be. Peter Pan, you know, mm. it's that particular mm. English literary tradition. Wind in the Willows, some trippy stuff in there. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you're not going to hear that in the southern lands of Texas or the mean streets of New York. Mm. or You wouldn't or, hear it in country rock. You wouldn't hear it in country rock, but you'd hear it in Pink Floyd yeah. when Sid Barrett embodied what Pink Floyd were and what they stood for. So mm. I don't think it's a case of having to choose one or the other. Because no, no. I honestly think they're very, very different. Right. That's fine. I want to establish that there's this massive phenomenon, really, with these sort of two I mean, it's to their credit. Sort of it's eras, to their credit you know. that they managed to build this second group out of the ashes. It is. It is. I mean, if Sid Barrett, as he did, left and that was the end of the group, you'd go, well, weren't they amazing? Yeah. That's still one more genius album than most bands make. Yeah. But they actually rebuilt... Mm-hmm. and became a whole other phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Dead rock stars. So much love. So much love. You would have been a teenager when Piper at Gates Dawn came out. No, my darling. I would have been nine years old. I'm sorry, I'm a decade out. Let me say that again. I would have been a teenager. Sorry, dude. <clears throat> start it again. Yeah. You were just a kid when Piper at the Gates of Dawn came out, right? Yes. When did that sort of music start to make an impact? See Emily play. Mm. And also the Beatles, people that didn't live through that era, understandably have no idea how influential the Beatles were. Yeah. You know, I was able to grow my hair because of the Beatles. I don't mean down my back, I mean to my, my ear, you know. Um, Do you mean your body hair? No, I didn't have any of that at that age. <laughs> uh, thanks for asking, though. Mm. You know, Yellow Submarine, Magical Mystery Tour, The Prisoner... Programs like The Prisoner. Right, right. You know, even The Monkeys, which was harmless fun, or yeah. Batman with its skewed camera angles yeah. to copy the, the copy. Yeah. Magic Roundabout on TV. You know, yeah. these things were steeped in a what we would now call a psychedelic consciousness. Yeah. But I was a child absorbing all this. I used to love The Prisoner. I didn't really understand what a lot of it was about. But, I mean, The Avengers, the original series of The Avengers. Oh, smoking. With uh, Steed and Emma Peel and before mm, that, mm, the, the one played by Honor Blackman. You know, these were completely English, eccentric, surreal... <laughs> Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Mad as a box of frogs. Cat weasel. You know, it was an era of really ripe English... Uh, and purely English expressed creativity. Yeah. And you which, see it in pop art, yeah. you see it in all kinds of places. With hints of sort of alternate realities, right? And, and the landscape of Absol- the mind. Absolutely, of course. Yeah, uh, Lewis yeah, yeah. Carroll. Yeah. Take this pill, it will make you tiny. Mm. Take this drink, it will make you large. Mm, you know, mm, mm. of course, these days it has a different connotation. Uh, you'd be taking the pill to make yourself large. Have you tried one of those? My body is a temple. <laughs> <laughs> From the waist up. That's a pretty waist rough. down, that's different. It's not a temple. It, it, no, no, that's it's the gates of hell down there. <laughs> but to get back to Sid. Sid, right. To get back to Sid. Yeah, yeah. So here is this impossibly good-looking young man. Born in 1946. So he's... Literally 21. Literally 21. See Emily players are here. Yeah. They've been playing at clubs in London like uh, UFO. Yeah. Speak. Where they would do these incredibly far out sets of right. yeah. essentially improvisational mm. jamming, which then, after Sid leaves, becomes their forte, which later gets rechristened progressive rock. Now, we know Hawkwind 
did all this stuff quite a bit later, actually. A little bit. I mean, they yeah, came along okay. in like 68, 69. Oh, so not, not much later. So were Floyd the first lot to start throwing in the sort of the uh, oily uh, light filters and the, and the sort of extended jams? And- no, no, because, I mean, by then you had films like Blow Up, yeah. you know, which I think that was probably 68, actually. But you would have those sort of lava lamp type scenes okay. going on right from the early what to about mid-60s. musically then? Where were they getting these long jams from? Uh, What's the precedent? I mean, these were English public schoolboys, right? Essentially. Yeah, yeah, Cambridge. You know, where the hell were they getting it from? I mean, you mentioned Arthur Brown earlier. No, they weren't getting it from Arthur Brown or anything like that. Purple were going. A a lot of them, you know, loved classical music. A lot of them loved avant-garde jazz. Okay. At the same time as they're playing, I mean, we call them jams Mm. now, but Mm. they would have probably seen them as tripping. They would take acid. Yeah will trip. You know, this sort of thing was going on all around the world. The Velvet Underground with Warhol in 65 and 66, were pro- he was projecting his films on top of them. Mm, Pink mm, Floyd mm, had crazy psychedelic lights. Mm. It was just that era. If you went to a disco yeah. or a discotheque, as man, they were known, a discotheque man. in your yeah. miniskirt, you would encounter that ambiance. So I don't think it was a case of where did they get it so much as it was in the air. Mm. Uh, you know, one of the lines in C. Emily Play is uh, Games for May, C. Emily Play. Mm. The Games for May come from May 1966, which was this kind of uh, modern version of an expo, you know, where yeah. it was all creative projects mm. and groups mm. and music mm. and painting. Mm. And they were part of that scene. Um, oh, I would love to have been there. I would yeah, love to have witnessed too. it all. I, I really, really would. I mean, lots of groups played UFO, including yeah. Hawkwin, but yeah. nobody had Sid Barrett. Yeah. But of course, famously, he makes one album, <laughs> has one hit single, mm. and very, very quickly indeed after that, starts to completely go off the rails. Mental, isn't it? Well, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> Quite so, John. Very succinctly put, Thank it was mental. Couldn't happen. The guy... Already by then, and I guess we're talking 71 at this point, something like that. A little bit earlier. He was done. Yeah. Already. But if you listen to some of the tracks on those albums, Mm. Barrett and... Um, um, The Madcap Laughs. I mean, tracks like Late Night are amazing. Mm. Are they genuinely good, though? I'm not really sure. Oh, no, no. Is the stuff good? Genuinely good. Mm. Genuinely good. Years later, people like Robin Hitchcock Mm. did versions of them. Other people have done versions. Baby Lemonade... You know, mm-hmm. the only thing that separates the originals from the versions mm-hmm. is that the originals are kind of like Beardsley sketches that are unfinished. <laughs> and the versions are like someone coming along and saying, we probably meant to have a hand there mm-hmm. and we'll do this one in colour. Mm-hmm. But essentially yeah. they're there. And I genuinely love those records. Yeah. Uh, would I run home every night and play? No, of course They not. occupy a place, don't they? They really do. Yeah, and. and yeah. You know, the great tragedy, I think, of Sid Barrett isn't a Pink Floyd tragedy. It's an us tragedy. Couldn't agree more. We lost someone amazing. Yeah. And to something which could hit any one of us, right? And does affect people all the time. Absolutely. I mean, Mental instability of one form or another. Absolutely. But exasperated by the fact that, you know, the LSD thing, which was huge, Mm -hmm. there was talk of this awful flat in London where... They would load him up with acid, lock him in a trunk for clothes and leave him there for several hours whimpering. Who would do that to him? Because they thought it was hilarious. 
Who did there, that? There, well, there was a very nasty dark side to the psychedelic era. Mm. You know, people spiking your drink with high strength yeah. LSD and not it. telling. We talked you. about Hendrix, didn't we? For example, and not yeah. telling. You. Yeah, yeah. For their amusement, you know, there was oh, he's so wasted. You know, Sid, ha. These people that are doing it probably only 22 or 23 themselves. No, they're not going to be... They they don't... LSD had not been around just a few years before. So, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it would appear that acid exacerbated a certain mental condition that Sid suffered from. He was certainly taking a ton of it. And but but taking mantrax and... Yeah, but the point is that this is not what caused him to go off the rails. He was already fairly unstable anyway. Or has that not been proven or demonstrated? I think it's got to be a huge trigger. Because one minute he's writing C. Emily play, the next he can't hold a guitar in his hands. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dead Rock Stars. Too much fucking perspective. So he was in the studio for the recording of subsequent albums, I believe. Briefly. Yeah. Oh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time. Mm. He walked in and in, they didn't recognise him. No, they didn't. Mm. It was in 1975. I've seen the pictures, it's quite shocking, isn't it? And guess what track they were recording? Shine On You Shine Crazy, on you crazy <laughs> Diamond. And he walks in, completely bald, very overweight, yeah. an older man in an overcoat, while they, they was fresh off yeah. the back of the success of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. At that point, the most successful album in history. Mm-hmm. And they're millionaires. Richer than God, yeah, yeah. Dressed in the fashions of the day. They've all kept their hair. They've all kept mm, their waistline. Creatively highly functional. And in comes this bloke off the street. And he wants to know when he should do his guitar part. Christ. And eventually one of them, I think it was Rick Wright, realised it was Sid. And they didn't know what to do. Do you know why? It's a huge tragedy, this story. I think. Oh, of course, it really is. I mean, you know, there are rock stars that died partying hard, mm. dude. Mm. There are rock stars that died in plane crashes. Mm. Mm. 
And then there's Sid Barrett, who didn't die suddenly, (laughs) but who spent the majority of his life living alone back in Cambridge. He'd been in various, in those days, you'd call them mental institutions. Don't forget the late 60s, early 70s, they're giving you Librium, they're giving Mm, you mm. all kinds of heavy-duty barbiturates. Was the stuff uh, you... The reason I'm quoting this is that you wrote uh, an obit for Sid and we were looking at it earlier today. It was the stuff called Largactyl, did you mention Largactyl. What does that do to you? Turns you into a zombie, Mm, mm. but not in a good way. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Our medication back then was designed to knock you out rather than to cure you. Yeah. Horrendous. And no one knew any different. Mm. Um, I find it interesting, though, that a bit like, I suppose, Peter Green. Yeah, right. With Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah. Although Peter Green did more than one record. And he came back and had a reasonably decent career, didn't he? I mean, years and years later, decades later. I saw him live in 79. It was a lovely thing to go and see. But this wasn't the young lion of the late 60s. This was a clearly damaged individual. Mm. And you did kind of think, I wonder if this is the first and last time I'll ever see him. Mm. Sid Barrett, you know, he, he turns up here and there, not just at a Pink Floyd recording session... Uh, an old girlfriend uh, recalls bumping into him sometime around the mid-70s and him just, you know, trying to drag her back to have sex. Offering her money. Yeah, offering her money. What a terrible to, thing. Because he's lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he's on all kinds of uh, drugs for psychiatric treatment. Just jump back a little while. So when he came to leave Floyd, as I understand it, because the other members were involved in trying to give him a solo career afterwards in production roles and well, so Well, I think they... I, they I, were sympathetic, I, right? Or I, uh, just guilty, maybe? I don't know. Guilty. Did he walk away from the band or was he pushed? Both. You know, he, Both. He, his creativity stopped, would have they, dried they up. They literally stopped turning up to pick him up. Yeah. So what happens is, is that here's this group with one hit single, one hit record, mm. and the one guy who has gifted them this no longer can play guitar. You know, there are instances of the first time they tour America of doing television shows where he literally is in a catatonic state. Crikey. There's stories of him mashing up quaaludes, heavy-duty down as yeah. Mandrax it was Sedatives, called over here. Yeah. Yeah into a jar of brill cream, mashing up dozens of these quaaludes in all this brill cream, and then shoving it all in his hair, mm. and then going onto a TV show with the hot lights, literally make it down his face like a, the wax on a candle. Curious. As he stand, they're playing live, mm. and he's not moving, and he's not doing anything. And these are young men trying to have a career. You know, people have been thrown out of bands for far less than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the lead singer of Faith No More, who was amazing, got booted out because he was a pain in the arse mm. to them. Yeah. David Lee Roth got booted out for being a... Well, he left. They it's were glad to see him go, yeah. You know, it's, it's not th- enough being in a band with people, you know. And these are young guys, yeah. and it looks like their whole career is going down the toilet. And this is 1967, 68. There are no 10-year careers in rock music. One year, two years, if you're lucky... So they would pick him up, he wouldn't be there, he'd be catatonic or he'd be tripping or totally useless. They bring in another Cambridge friend, David Gilmore, who plays guitar. And for a short period, there's Sid and David, as he likes to be known, in the group. Mm -hmm. And then they, I think Nick Mason said one day, we just went, suppose we've got to pick up Sid. Mm. Should we bother? (laughs) 
And they didn't. And of course, Sid wasn't exactly on the phone. Hey, you guys, you're supposed to be here at 8pm. Yeah, you can understand it. They didn't hear from him for three weeks or probably didn't hear from him until 75 when he walked in to play guitar. The whole thing about them supporting his solo career, that, that's true to a point. But not much. Not very... What, what do you do? They didn't know. We, we, we look back now and we say, well, he probably had yeah, mental by, issues by, yeah. exacerbated by LSD. They're going, what the fuck's wrong with I this know. guy? He's a loony. He's fucking ruining everything. Yeah, I know. People didn't know anything, did they? No. They, Poor they ignorant still, previous generations. But, well, they still don't know No, anything. people are still useless about mental health, aren't yeah. they? Sadly. He, uh, did he not attempt a brief project called Stars? There was something called Stars with uh, Twink, I think. I, I think remember. it was Twink who, who played in various sort of Kevin Ayers type groups no, and Hawkwind. Cambridge scene. Another Cambridge thing. They they did an impromptu... Wait, Canterbury scene, that's what I meant by Kevin oh, Ayers, sorry. A yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah, Kent. Not, yeah, yeah, well, no, it was Mike Oldfield, wasn't it? Again, all record collector stuff. Mike Oldfield. Did you, you work on record collector? Have you ever met Mike Oldfield? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Good. Well, well, that makes two of us. Yeah. Well, did you scene. meet him when you were working on Record Collector? Uh, I did. There you I go. went to his house. His recording studio in the backyard was twice as big as my actual house. <laughs> I was told that Lars Ulrich has a fountain in his courtyard mm. that is twice the size of your house, and I've never even seen your house. I think you can probably assume that is the case. That's the fountain. Uh, the fountain of metal the fountain of rock fuck that guy right so, um, so back to Sid. Sid stars didn't work and no no it, no, right? no 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 give it a chance stars they did it was like an acoustic thing they, this was people trying to get Sid just back to clarify this was not the hearing aid project stars by Ronnie James Dio in 1988 am I right <laughs> he's just doing this to goad me <laughs> No, I don't believe it was. Different so. project, just for the purposes Di- of clarity. Project. Anybody confused at this point, different project. See, we have to mention RJD in every one we do, along with Glenn Hughes, who I did a book with. Was that when you worked at Record Collector? No, uh, that was a little later. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Before the acid or after? Uh, during. <laughs> oh, during. <laughs> Pretty long trip. You and Ronnie. Me and Gleneth. Yeah. I tell you, i got some stories. So. Uh, Stars didn't work. If you let me fucking <laughs> tell you the fucking story. They come out, they do a gig mm. in London. In aid of Ethiopia, right? That was what it was. <laughs> Pray continue, dear friend. They do a gig, pretty much unannounced, and people come, it's outdoors, and they say, we're going to be back tomorrow, and they never were. Mm. But that was a more genuine attempt to try and get Sid doing something yeah because by then Pink Floyd really had moved on there's no blame attached to it. it's just a fact of life that they if they didn't make another record they would lose their deal and they'd go back to studying architecture right. at college he's on one song on Source Full of Secrets or credited with yeah Jug yeah. Band is it it may well be that it was a new track or a track recorded early oh, right, for the yeah, album or yeah. it may have been just a leftover so he's not but really that was right. a desperate kind of attempt to mm. it's like Peter Andre doing Mysterious Girl on every album he's ever released <laughs> you really modern references not <laughs> that modern <laughs> is he still alive 
Saucer Full of Secrets is the name of a band which is currently touring. Nick Mason. Nick Mason's yeah. there. It's our chum, uh, Guy Pratt, who's doing the vocals along with Gary Kemp of Bandai Ballet. Right, right, right. It's actually an right. amazing band. If you get a chance to see it, you should. Oh. They are amazing. Right. And they just play songs from those first two records. Really? Yeah. Do they do Interstellar Overdrive? Totally, they do, yeah. Well, and they do bike. They do all this mad shit. Which I've never really got been. a bike! Yeah. And they do it really well. The reference to Sid that I was about to make was that Guy talked about making up flippantly a time signature, which is where you'd normally say three, three, four, or four, four. It's Sid four, because <laughs> you cannot follow it. The only drummer in the world who apparently is capable of following it is Nick Mason, because he was there on the original record right, right. and could look at Sid and see when he was about to go off on one, right. on one literally. Right. Anyway, it's, it's relevant. This stuff's going on. It's very popular. The music's great. I wasn't that familiar with it, and clearly I'd never seen it perform live. So to see it live is... Well, it, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, certainly a timeless moment in pop, and I think it will be looked back on fondly as long as music is remembered. More so because Sid's trajectory was so bright and so brief. Oh, that certainly adds a glow to it. Mm, it does, but it? I think, unlike some of the rock stars we've covered mm, that have died, mm, mm. the fact is that was a particularly extraordinary piece of work. Yeah. Never to be repeated and you look at the people that were influenced from David Bowie to the rest of Pink Floyd hmm. to the Smiths to yeah right Well, oh, the whole Stone Roses thing as well they, they looked back on uh, yeah. 60s yeah, they were, psychedelia yeah, um, yeah slightly more druggy but um, yeah but the, the sort of the echoing phased tapestries of guitar sound you know all yeah, that kind of stuff. yeah although there was a lot of that in there. I don't think that was specifically Sid I think that could have yeah. been lots of small faces tomorrow all kinds of groups yeah quite right you're quite right but Sid lived to be 60 years old mm. he was uh, somebody that you would see walking around Cambridge it was understood that you didn't approach him. Mm. Uh, his sister, who lived down the road, tended to look after him, bring him meals. He lived with his mother in his mother's lifetime. For a while, yeah. and she died, and he stayed on in the house. Living on Floyd money? Royalties, as it were? My guess is he was probably signing on. But, of course, there were royalties. And, mm. and you know, there were... I don't know if they were just press releases. There were probably PR things. But in the 70s, you know, whenever they would re-release yeah. Piper... There was always this thing of we're doing it for Sid, you know. But I, I used to think, ah, you know, of course they say that, but they all get money from it, you know. Oh, I see. The marketing spin was that we want to help Sid out by reissuing this record. Yeah, at the same time, I'm sure they wouldn't have said we don't want to help Sid. Mm. But, you know, it's a useful calling card. Isn't it? Just, it's extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes, there were royalties, but he was offered all kinds of money to make another album. You know, fans from all over the world would knock on the door. He was this real cult figure then. He was, uh, what was the name of the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye? J.D. Salinger. He was the Salinger of, of pop and rock, you know, in many ways. Mm-hmm. More tragically, because Salinger, you felt, chose to live that life. Barrett mm-hmm. ended up living that life. He painted... Collected coins, you mentioned. Yeah, there's a very poignant quote from his sister when the BBC showed uh, one of their brilliant documentaries that Mm. they made. Mm. She said uh, her and Sid had sat down to watch it, but after a while he'd he'd gone to bed because it was a bit too much. That's amazing. He suffered badly from diabetes type 2. He'd Mm. put on a lot of weight as he got older. And he was notorious for not taking his diabetes medicine. Yeah. He would end up in the local hospital. They got to know him very well mm, mm. Uh, and would take care of him. 
The Barrett Room. They called it the Barrett Room, yeah. But this was nothing to do with him. Um, I think there was a family connection. Well, yeah, wasn't it his father or something? Yeah. Did we miss out on, on this? Earlier? You read he had the a, article he had a famous today. Father, I only right? wrote it 10 years ago, so I don't know. <laughs> he had a famous father, I believe. I don't know, is this a sad life? Is it a tragic life? Is it just a normal life? Oh, it's not a normal life. In, I mean, these, these decades... Well, I mean, can of... you imagine living on your own with mental issues from the age right. of 23 to 60? Those mental well, you issues... you say a lot of people. I don't know a lot of well, people. Well, no, uh, uh, but you, those mental issues were shown to have persisted his entire life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a terrible existence then. And even if they weren't, Joel, who mm. lives on their own? Dude, a lot of people live on their own. From the age of 23 to 60? No, no, but... I don't know anybody... I know people do, but I don't know anybody. I guess I know a lot you know of old people who live on their own. You know, yeah, but from the age of 23? No, that's a rare occurrence. That never had a significant other? Mm. That never had a job? Mm. That stayed in all day long, painting, collecting coins, and they put a record player in there, and, and he, he didn't like uh, the loud rock and roll stuff. Genesis Publications did a book on Sid, and they got it signed by him. This is in about 2002, something like that. Again, if I got the year wrong, forgive me. And subsequently, they put out a book signed by Sid Barrett. How about that for a little anecdote? And as far as I know, that was pretty much the last interaction that Sid had with, with any commercial venture of any kind. And subsequently, when did he die? What year did he die? 2006. Of pancreatic cancer. Sorry, of pancreatic cancer, that's right. A horrible thing. Uh, but 60 years old for a man who had lived such an erratic life is perhaps a rather decent outcome. Speaking as a 60-year-old, <laughs> fuck you! No, but... No, it's not a fucking decent no, no. outcome. For someone who had clearly been uh, no. not functioning no. for decades. fuck that. You would expect them to die younger. I haven't been functioning for decades. I don't fucking want to die at 60. You no, were. no, trust me, Joel. You have misinterpreted me. No, words. no, you always keep saying I misinterpret you. I listen to every word and I'm mm. saying, mm. fuck you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> It is not a fucking good outcome. It really me. isn't. Mick loves me, really. 60 is fuck all. Yeah, I don't know, mate. A lot of people die younger than that. Yeah, a lot of people die in their babies when they're in their... Co- doesn't make 60 a good fucking age to die. Anyway. How old are you? Um, How old are you? I'm 47. That's why you think 60 is a good time to die. I'm going to remind you of this in just a few years' time. I think Lemmy dying at 70... Although that's younger than most of us would expect. Yeah, but that's me. Lemmy. Well, no, hang on. This is Sid. No, no, no. He Sid could've... didn't drink a gallon of whiskey, yes. take seven grams of speed every day, smoke 200 cigarettes. I think he did and... well to survive to the age of 60. That's oh, what I'm saying. Such bollocks. Think about those mental issues which would have driven a lot of people to suicide or self-harm or, or whatever. You know? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just saying that I think 60 years old... He didn't commit old, suicide? I know. I'm saying that the fact that he didn't is something to be celebrated. It was quite a decent outcome, 60 years, for someone who was so And I say that is total fucking bollocks. Right. 60's a decent outcome. For someone with his problems, yes. What, being at home all day painting? No, incredible mental issues. You know, a lot of people don't survive those things. A lot of people don't get past them. You won't fucking survive those things if you give me any more mental fucking issues. You mental think- health. It's an issue, is it not, in the news at the moment? Why are we talking awareness. about this? Because it's relevant in the story of Sid Barrett. I don't think we're just talking about rock stars in our podcast. We're talking about the bigger things, what they mean to us, the ways in which these people's lives affected us. And Where's li- Joel gone? I liked him better on the pork pies. Sid- oh, I wish I had a pork pie. Sid lived a life blighted by mental instability. If you're going to get back to it's a fucking good outcome, you can stop right now. It's not a fucking good outcome. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he died at 60. Yes. 
good outcome. And is there still a ready the audience The man died for his of work? pancreatic cancer. Was that a good outcome? Alone. Alone yeah. of pancreatic cancer. That's a good outcome for a mental patient. I think it's a relatively good outcome. Fucking hell. It's a good outcome Listen for anybody else. This is the fucking Dr. McIver right, over there. Cut all this shit out. All right. Dead rock stars. They did it, so we don't have to. Now, Mick, we do, do we not, at the end of these things, supply marks out of five stars for these people and, you know, a the criteria outcome. that we apply. It's a great outcome. This is interesting, actually. Star quality. Does Zid have a single star when it comes to star quality? Oh, yeah. Five out of five for me, yeah. Yeah, the coal-eyed, uh, panda-eyed thing. Yeah, those are real black circles. He was knackered. Yeah. His influence? Massive. Massive. I mean, the popular thinking is that Gilmour took that band by the scruff of its neck and ran with it and turned it into a huge stadium filling... You know. I think Roger Waters had something to do with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He, he, just a bit. Yeah. So my point is that they might have gone on to greater things without Sid, perhaps. Greater things in the sense the of great selling things records. That they went on to. No, sorry, what I meant is that the dizzy heights that they ascended, in other words, selling out commercially. stadiums all over the world. Commercially. Absolutely, but that's, you know, one Thus of the peculiarities of Pink Sid's, Floyd is yeah. that they're the least starry people. Yeah. At the height of Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall, Dave Gilmore or Roger Waters mm. or Nick Mason or Rick Wright could have walked into your living room and you'd have had no idea who they were. Do you think they would have done as well without Sid uh, giving them that sort of kickstart of the first record? Well, they patently did go on and do well. I think the Sid thing is a, like I say, it's. I don't think they're comparable, really. They're two different entities. Mm, mm. Would they have, you know, if Nick had turned left instead of right? You know, I, I think it's that level. Sid Barrett nearly killed the group. They survived despite Sid, mm, you could argue. Mm, mm. You could say, yes, if they hadn't had that jump start, they wouldn't have had the opportunity. But... They had to survive Sid. He almost, Sid gave and he took away. So it makes me shudder a little bit, you know. When I look at those pictures of him in his pomp and how amazing he looked, and then you look at yourself, you know, in your middle age, you think, bloody hell. I are said, you, saying, are myself, you saying this is a good outcome for me? I'm saying that, God, those years go quickly, don't they? Your youth, our youth doth falleth from us. Well, at least in Sid's case, he, did, he, he was outcome. beautiful once, Joel. <laughs> Nicely put. So did he have a taste for excess? I mean, did he fling acid down his throat in giant bucketfuls or were other people doing it for him? I think he flung them down his neck in giant bucketfuls. Do we know if he partook in other substances of note? Downers, weed. Mm, well, yeah. mm. I mean, I, I think in Sid Barrett's case, you don't need to wonder if he took more than acid. He took more acid <laughs> than anybody and look what it did for him. You know, like so many of these almost occult influences his songwriting and lyrics were clearly informed by the lifestyle absolutely back when it was legal yeah and and then of course like so many of these things like the first two pints you become a philosopher Hmm. the next 10 you want to kill someone crikey well in your case obviously i'm not talking about myself here Um, Uh, i'm just lucky to be alive at 60 given my mental issues jocos bellicose lacrimose Comatose, the four stages of drunkenness. All oh, right, okay. I tell you, remember that, it'll make you a better person. I was just looking at our last criterion, death as a career move, and I suddenly thought to myself, yeah, how sad that he died at 25. But of course he didn't. He died at 60. It's a good outcome. And I was just thinking, actually, he might as well creatively have died right after the abortive STARS project. 
And he would have been one of those dudes who dies in their mid to late 20s. Yeah, you make a good point. I make an excellent point. And uh, the thing with Sid is he didn't die. You know, and that's what adds to the tragedy. Charity, mate. You don't have to say, well, what would have happened? We know what happened. It adds to the tragedy that he lived to be 60, is that what you're saying? doesn't detract well, it adds from the to tragedy. the tragedy that he didn't die after he made his last record. The fact is he lived for another 35 years mm. with the whole world wishing that he could still be that guy from right. 67. that's clearly very tragic. Yeah. And come back and make another record without really grasping or wanting to grasp the fact that this was a grown man with health issues. I'm left with that the, sad feeling again. To go beyond, oh, sing us a song. Mm. Oh, I like that trippy one. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mick. Do that one, bike. <laughs> thing is, Mick, he was kind of dead. He didn't turn up at Live Aid, for example. You know, that iconic picture of him with the curls. You know, he was dead. Well, I he wasn't that. dead. See, the problem is, is he wasn't dead. And as far as I remember, uh, nobody from Pink Floyd turned up at Live Aid, did they? I'd have to check. Phil Lynott didn't. Much to Geldof's everlasting shame. Dear old Geldof. Fuck that guy! Do you know, I've been to Bob Geldof's house. I helped Bob Geldof write a letter to the Pope. That's a true story. Anyway, so how do we get from Sid Barrett to our next dead rock star? Mick, would you care to join me on this? No. Go on. No. Go on. No, I, I like it when we take it in turns, like... though. It's no, nice. that's so... It reminds me of... Radio 1 in the 80s. You yeah. do a line of Both of the lead singer and guitarist. Simon in the Mayo piece, and, and Joe uh, Wiley. Joe Wiley. Yeah, they, are, they co-present now. Uh, a bit like me and you. No, no, you and I are way more entertaining than Simon Mayo and Joe Wiley. So our next dead rock star, uh, like Sid, was the lead singer and guitarist in a four-piece band. As solo artists, neither Sid nor our next DRS fared quite as well as they'd done in their bands. Now, Sid was very concerned about Matilda, mother. However, our next dead rock star was, was more intrigued about Kev's mum. I have no idea what that means. And like Sid, our next dead rock star had also set his controls for the heart of the sun. But it was a sun of a much darker type. Blacker. Well, that gives it, it away. It says blacker. Yeah, that gives it's it away. It's meant to fucking give it away, isn't it? <laughs> All right, this has been another Seven Digital production. Thank you very much to my dear friend Mick Wall and our dear producer Ian. Very strange man, but very nice, though. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Well done. And you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.